There was a coronation party planned for Coach K on Monday night in the form of a national championship victory to end his illustrious career. Unfortunately, though, those plans fell through, and now it's a Coach Roy Williams celebration with his two teams squaring off in the national championship game. Coach Williams gets the victory lap, the retirement party that he never wanted or asked for. Meanwhile, Coach K's the one been getting it all year. The karma gods have flipped the retirement stuff on their head, and now we had Carolina Duke, and now we're getting Carolina Kansas. It doesn't get much bluer than that, and we're going to unpack both games on today's episode of Lock. Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, April 4th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's North Carolina site, All Tar Heels. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen, or if you're watching on YouTube, what's up YouTube? Your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that we are free and available on all podcast platforms. And speaking of which, you guys, we did it. We made it to 1,000 YouTube subscribers. That was our big push. We wanted to get there by the end of the national championship game on Monday night. Uh, I was informed that it happened on Saturday just before the Carolina and Duke game tipped off. Hmm, that's pretty interesting and awesome. Thank you. Thank you for being part of this. This is not just a win for me or the show. This is for all of us that are part of this growing building community. So come on, let's keep bringing more people in and just make this as awesome and as big a family as we can possibly make it. Now, as you well know, this Carolina Duke game, huge. This upcoming Carolina Kansas game, tonight, huge. We got to get into it right now. No time to waste. But... (laughs) I have to tell you about Stat Hero first, our title sponsor today. This episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play, no funky props, just your skill daily in the lineups you choose. So sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. It is indeed National Championship Monday. Cherish it. These moments do not come along very often. I know they have since 2009, but it's just because we're in this golden age of Carolina basketball. And so appreciate it. If you have the opportunity, please, please, please soak it in. As you can see, I am not in my normal surroundings. I'm coming to you from the lobby of my New Orleans hotel. There's music playing over here that they can't turn down or off. And so that's the wonderful little soundtrack to our podcast today. Whether you're, uh, if you're not, if you're listening, you got to turn on the YouTube and see this for a minute. There's some guys out here. There's a patio. They're smoking. I think there's some Tar Heel bros just hanging out, getting ready for the national championship game. Tomorrow, full transparency, I'm recording on Sunday night because Monday is going to be insane. I'm not plugged into any Ethernet. I'm just relying on wireless. So hopefully we stay good and dialed in. Okay, Duke recap. Holy cow. North Carolina, 81 Duke, 77. What more do we need to say? Carolina just won the most epic national semifinal college basketball has ever seen. Period. End of story. 
The Tar Heels now have not one, but two trump cards in their back pocket in the biggest rivalry in all of college sports? Sports? I would say all of sports, but others might debate it. What is better than ending your bitter rival's coach's career in a walk-off fashion and not allowing him to get to the semi uh, to the national championship game. This happened in the semifinals. Unreal. What like the sports gods are smiling on us right now. Carolina has not only ruined one retirement party, they've now re ruined two of them. Two Coach K retirement parties ruined in the span of four weeks. That is crazy. Now, let, let's just talk about the environment a little bit. This was a crazy game. I, I was fortunate enough where our media seats are in the arena is really close to the tunnel from where the teams and coaches walk out. And so I just, I went over after the Kansas Villanova game and just kind of stood there and right, like I just positioned myself early right at that tunnel as the Carolina guys were about to take the court, got some video of that. Um, I'll even drop that in here as I'm talking so you can see it. And then um, on the other side, you have Villanova, you have Kansas coming off. The Duke guys are over on the other side. They run out first. The Carolina guys run out. And then after a few minutes, I see Coach K just come walking out. And I, I know if you're listening to this, you're a Carolina fan, but hopefully you're also a sports fan. And just the gravity of this moment of the winningest coach in Division I history coming out for potentially, now definitely we know on the backside of it, his last ever game. And so was just able to get footage of Coach K walking. And he just walks like right here by me. Could have literally just done, reached my hand out that far and touched him. I'll, I'll put video up of that so you can see it as well. But then a couple seconds later, here comes Coach Davis. And both of these men, you can just tell they're so locked in. These steely-eyed glances, knowing the gravity of this historic moment that is afoot. Uh, both of them. And what I love about that, what it says about Hubert Davis, is he is not to be intimidated by Coach K. He's not to be intimidated by the moment. He is big enough for all of that. Now, Here's what's weird about the, the energy that was in the arena is obviously it was loud and crazy and boisterous, but it felt to me for a lot of the game, particularly in the second half as things were close, I mean, this was so back and forth. I would describe the energy as nervous energy. Yes, there were moments of just like, and everybody's up. But I, I, it felt like the entire arena realized what a moment this was. That either way, either result, whether Duke won or Carolina won, it was going to mean something historic. Either Coach K's career was done, over, and gone, which he is now. He has recently retired Mike Krzyzewski. We can refer to him as such now. Or Coach K and his team were going to be moving on to play in the national championship tonight, Monday night, in his what would definitely be his last game ever and lump on to that the fact that it's that first we've talked about it so much this first game between Carolina and Duke on this stage and so everybody knows everything that's at stake and I, I think it brought a weird energy to the room I'm, I, I'm curious anybody else who
who's watching or listening, if you were there, did, did you feel that? Holler in the comments or, or send us an email or, or a tweet. Love to hear your thoughts on that too. But this game was all about big players just making huge plays. We just saw body blow after body blow after body blow. It was so great, so electric. You love to see players rising to the occasion, particularly in the second half. And we're going to unpack all the details of the game here in just a minute, so I won't get into that now. But let me just say a couple things about both these coaches before we move forward into the details. Hubert Davis now becomes the first ever coach in NCAA history to advance to the national championship game in his first full season as a head coach. That's absolutely incredible what he's done. On the flip side, I'll use this phrase again, recently retired head coach Mike Krzyzewski finishes his career at exactly 50-50 and 50 against North Carolina. And he's got a losing record to Hubert Davis. The greatest coach of all time has a losing record to a guy that a lot of the Carolina fan base grumbled about in November and December. Right? I, I heard a lot of that. It's crazy what sports can do. It's crazy how quickly things can turn around if you just stay consistent and patient and driving forward. Hubert Davis is 2-1 against Coach K in his career, and that will never change because the man is finished and retired and done. Not many coaches in this country can say that they ever had a winning record against Coach K, but Hubert Davis can count himself in that company. Well, this entire environment was incredible. And so later in the week, what I want to do is take you on a little behind the scenes tour of some of what we got to do this weekend as media. I've been shooting some video when and where I can. There are certain moments we're just not allowed to, like press conferences and things like that. So obviously I can't show you that. Um, speaking of some behind the scenes, had some great opportunities to meet some of the Carolina band members who said that they uh, watch or listen to the show. And so it was great to meet you guys. Shouts to you all. Hope you are doing well. Play well again tonight. I know you're helping the team move on to victory. Great day to be a Tar Heel. Love that. So it is a big, huge game, and we need to talk about some of the details of it, which we're going to do in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about Stat Hero. Stat Hero's NCAA single game pick'em pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. And you only got one more shot at it because tonight, Monday, is the last game. So if you want to do that, it's got to be today. So take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage and the upper hand. Instead, start focusing on the players that you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on, on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why is that? Because Stat Hero doesn't make it a mystery what or who you're playing against. In addition to those pick'em games, you have dozens of lineups that Stat Hero presets that you can choose from, set your own lineup, and then in just a few minutes you'll be ready to go with some head-to-head -head action. Just takes a couple minutes. It's simple, it's sleek, it's easy. You'll love it. Stat Hero is the easiest way, the fastest way to get your sports action fix. So, this, friends, is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's incredible. Again, that's stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% match. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hey, thanks again for being here with us. It's a Monday. It's a great day. Uh, people are coming in in droves. Man, the numbers are skyrocketing. And so thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen, making it part of your day in whatever way you do so. Well, let's just hit on a couple things about the game, and then I want to touch on some records that are happening in Carolina as well. One of the things that was plainly obvious from the outset of this game is that Duke realized, hey, we've got a top three draft pick on our roster, and last time we played Carolina, he was out there settling for jump shots. And by that, I mean Paolo Bancaro, and I mean Brady Manick. Why? Because in both of these two games, the, the game at Cameron and now this national semifinal game, it was Brady Manick matched up on Bancaro rather than Baycott, who matched up the first game. Didn't go well. Baycott was on the bench in minutes with two fouls. Brady Manick did a wonderfully admirable job on Baycott. Or on Baycott. We just talked about it. On Bancaro. I'm terribly sorry, Mondo. So, Bancaro scored 20 points in this game. Yes, like that's incredible. But you know what? It took him 17 shots to get there. And he didn't get a single shot in the final two and a half minutes of the game. Why? Because Brady Manick has risen to the occasion. He's walling him off. He's staying vertical, not allowing himself to, to come down at an angle and get a foul called and resulting in, in some great play and helping the Tar Heels limit what Bancaro can do. Again, this is not a player you can stop. It's a player, though, that you can limit. Now, Early in the game, Bancaro finally, probably through a, a very intentional game plan, realized, oh, I'm more athletic than Brady Manick, which is just a fact. I mean, that's true, right? So what do I need to do? I need to take him, uh, I need to drive to the rim, get there, downhill, attack, score in the paint. Well, he tried to do that, and he might be more athletic, but Brady Manick is the wily fifth-year veteran against a freshman in Bancaro and was with him every step of the way. First two of Duke's possessions, Bancaro tried to get to the rim, and he got there but had a tough contested shot, missed them both. Kind of set for me a little bit of what the entire game would be about. Similarly, on the defensive end, it's all about the leaky lockdown. We're always looking for hashtag who is leaky going to lock down in this game. And once again, it was A.J. Griffin. Griffin scored 27 in the first game, the game at Chapel Hill when Duke won by 20. You might remember, though, that in Durham at Cameron Indoor Stadium, he scored just five points. Why? Because Leakey was now on him most of the game. That translated again tonight. Leakey was able to hold A.J. Griffin to just six points on one for seven shooting and 0 for four from three. The other four points all came at the free throw line. Where Griffin was four for four, that's great. When Leakey's not in his face, it's easier to make shots. This dude is playing at an opposite end of the world than the rest of us. Leaky Black is is shutting people down. He's erasing offensive players from the game. And I, I think people are still yet to fully appreciate the incredible presence that he is bringing to the floor for Carolina. We're going to talk a little bit more about that once we get to the Kansas Four Corners preview here in just a minute. First half, one of the interesting things was the three-point shooting. When we got to halftime, the Tar Heels had made more three-point shots than Duke, but still laughable. The Tar Heels were 3 of 13, Duke 2 of 12. Three-point shooting was not a factor in the first half at all, other than teams weren't <laughs> neither team shot well. And so at halftime, I think I tweeted out something to the effect of, 
honestly, whichever team can find their way from the three-point line is going to win this basketball game, and that proved to be true. After halftime, Carolina shot 7 of 13 from 3, while Duke was just 3 of 10. So the Blue Devils finished 5 of 22 from 3, while Carolina finished 10 of 26. Infinitely better. You outscore your opponents by 15 there. Ten or Five more made threes is plus 15 in that column. A big part of that was that run early in the second half. Duke came out of halftime, went on this 4-0 run, took a 7-point lead. Things were looking iffy. It's like, man, is Duke about to get on this uh, a classic patented Duke run, push this out, stretch it out, and, and maybe not look back. But here's what happened. Carolina got a bucket. It, it was from Caleb Love, if I remember correctly. But then three straight three-pointers in the span of, I believe it was a minute and 45 seconds, the Tar Heels hit as many threes in the first little bit of the second half as they did in the entirety of the first 20 minutes. And then they were off and running. They had a four-point lead after this 11-0 run, 45-41. And then it was on. At that point, yes, it was still back and forth. Both teams had leads, but you really felt like the Tar Heels were in the game. And in that environment, all you need is a chance at the end of things. Another thing to point out is, is the things Caleb Love is doing. Had another amazing scoring game, finished 28. And now in his career, his two-year career, Carolina is 15-0 when he scores 20 or more points. That is insane. Uh, another big and important thing was some Carolina foul trouble. Obviously, when you're going with your hashtag Iron Five, which it seemed like Coach Davis was doing again until Baycott uh, hurt his ankle. At, at that point, it was just the five starters that had been in in the second half, but Puff, Johns Puff Johnson came in at that point. Because of that, Carolina had some foul trouble. Baycott picked up four fouls. R.J. Davis had four fouls. But when Baycott picked up his fourth foul, Coach Davis trusted in R.J. Davis enough to go ahead and bring him back into the game, even with those four fouls, and told him, hey, I need you to stay out of foul trouble. Why? You're the floor general. You're leading this thing. You're leading the attack. We have to have you out there. And there were still several minutes left in the game at that point, and R.J. was an invaluable asset. Because not to mention everything he's doing on the offensive side of the Court, which included uh, four assists and just one turnover and his scoring, which he carried the load in the first half uh, offensively, R.J. Davis has at least four rebounds in all seven postseason games, the two ACC tournament games and now the five NCAA tournament games. So he's doing it on both sides of the court, and Carolina has to have him out there. And he did. R.J. Davis played the entire rest of the game, making wise decisions about when to when to pull back when a defensive uh, when a Duke player was driving so that he wouldn't pick it up, R.J. Davis is playing at a different level. I asked him about it in today's breakout sessions with the players, and he just talked about his basketball IQ and and how high he believes that it is and what it means to him to be that floor general. And so you love to see that from this dude who's six foot nothing, smallest guy on the court, and getting all those rebounds, leading his team that well. Got a special one, Tar Heels and R.J. Davis. Love it. Now, the last thing I want to say uh, about, um, about the game, the details of the game itself is this. Carolina's bench had just two points. But perhaps they were two of the biggest points of the game. And they came from none other than Puff Johnson. When Baycott went down with his ankle injury, Puff was the one that came in for him. Carolina was down 
um, after, after some free throws, 67-65. Puff Johnson's in, gets fouled, goes to the free throw line. Huge moment in his life, in his basketball career. Calmly steps up, sinks them both. Tie ball game, 67-67. Eventually, Baycott comes back in, and Johnson goes off until, uh, until Baycott fouled out with 46 seconds left. Massive free throws. Massive free throws. I, I asked Leakey about that today in, in these interviews, and he just said, man, yeah, like looking back on it, I guess I didn't really think about it, but that was, that was massive what Puff did, and I, and I don't doubt it for a second. Even referenced Cam. He said, if Cam can step in and do those things, absolutely Puff can too because they're cut essentially from the same cloth. Impressive, impressive stuff from, excuse me, from Puff Johnson to step in in that moment help out when Baycott's gone down and injured and lift up his team with two monumental free throws that helped propel Carolina on to this victory. Um, just very quickly, let me run through a couple records before we move on to talking about Kansas. Um, and, and they involve three-point shooting, as you would guess, and some things that Armando Baycott is doing. Historical three-point shooting in, in Carolina's single-season history, before this year, five players had hit 93-pointers in a season. And now there's seven. Why? Because Brady Manick and Caleb Love are the first duo, the first teammates in Carolina history to each hit 93-pointers in a season. Yeah, that's really happening. So right now, Brady Manick, coming, going into the national championship game, has 95 which is tied for third on the all-time list. He's one uh, behind Cam Johnson, actually, who had 96. And then Justin Jackson's probably out of reach. He's the number one slot, the only Tar Heel ever to make 100 in a season. He has 105. And then Caleb Love right now has 92. So it's possible, depending on what happens tonight in the national championship game, that Brady Manick and Caleb Love can move into slots two and three and both get ahead of Cam Johnson insane stuff that's happening there. Now, the other thing I want to mention is Armando Baycott's rebounding and his double-doubles. It's it's the kind of stuff that you just don't see. Okay, remember, we're I'm so tired of saying double-double, double-double, double-double-double. So I'm just calling these dub-dubs now. Get on board with it. My, my man Davis Wallace reached out to me the other day and said, I love dub-dub. Let's make dub-dub happen. So when we're talking about Mondo and his double-doubles, we're calling them dub-dubs. That's what we do on Locked on Tar Heels. We make stuff easier to say. Why? Because I'm lazy and I'm tired. Not really. I just think dub-dub's awesome. So, this season, Baycott has 30 dub-dubs. What, what does that mean? I mean, we know what it means, but historically, what does it mean? Well, he now breaks a record with some schmuck from Wake Forest named Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan for the single-season ACC record for most dub-dubs in a single season. He also, Carolina History Books, moves past Tyler Hansborough and Sam Perkins for sole possession of third place for the most in a career with 48. So anytime you're getting into a conversation with Sam Perkins, Tyler Hansborough, and Tim Duncan, you're doing okay for yourself. Not to mention, the NCAA single-season record for dub-dubs is 31 which Baycott could tie tomorrow night in the national championship game. You know who holds that record? The Admiral, David Robinson. He could tie David Robinson for the most double-doubles in a single season in NCAA history. 
And I hope you don't miss the San Antonio Spurs Twin Towers. He just broke Tim Duncan's record and he might tie David Robinson's record. It's all gonna depend on that ankle. Baycott has also bemoaned that he missed out on a double-double in a game like Boston College when he could actually set an NCAA record. Come back, come back Armando and set that record next year. Just saying, that'd be pretty rad. So there you go. The other thing with Baycott is his rebounding. He now has 496 rebounds in this one single season. Just a couple weeks ago, he became the second Tar Heel ever to hit 400 rebounds. And now if he gets just four in the national championship game, he'll be the first ever to cross the 500 mark. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. He has 20-plus rebounds in back-to-back -back NCAA tournament games. His 21 rebounds against Duke is a Carolina Final Four record ever. Most rebounds by any Carolina player in a Final Four. What a year it's been for Armando Baycott. You got one more shot at it, Tar Heel fans. You better appreciate this man. Don't know what's going to happen next year. Well, as huge as it seemed, the most important thing anybody was experiencing, the Carolina Duke game was just the semifinal. It's like USA and USSR in the, in the hockey, the Miracle on Ice hockey game. It's, except these were two evenly matched opponents, whereas that was David and Goliath. Anyway, we move on. There's still a national championship game to be played, and we got to talk about it. Kansas, Carolina, Carolina, Kansas. It's a Roy Williams celebration. Let's talk about it in just a moment after I tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championships odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. Okay, it's time for a national championship game. Did you ever in your wildest dreams imagine that would happen this year? Maybe in wildest dreams, yes. But in your rational daily thought, did you? I'm guessing not. But here we are. Four corners preview. That's how we do it. We're going to talk about that in just a second. This game, 8.20 local time, 9.20 back on the East Coast. The game is on TBS inside the Caesars Superdome where the Saints play their home games. Big, huge, fat arena. And I cannot wait to be back later on Monday for that. And uh, so all of this is weird too because... Kansas is in, in under investigation by the NCAA, so it's possible they could win this NCAA tournament and turn around and not be in it next year because they're banned. Like, that's a very realistic possibility. So we're going to have to look at that. I feel oddly calm about this game. I, I think it's a combination of this ride has been so magnificent and marvelous and wonderful that it's just like it, whatever happens is just more icing on the cake. Right, like you, you hope and expect, like let let's go win a national championship, but you just never know. And and with the team that we had seen a lot of the first half of this season, you're like let let's make the NCAA tournament and that'll be a win. But now here we are, and so to me, there's this. Let's just see what happens. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. I think that's also mixed with some emotional, mental, and physical fatigue from the Duke game. Just to be frank, I'm feeling it, and I can't imagine what the players are feeling. And in fact, we're about to talk about that in just a moment. So, 
Four Corners Preview. If you're new here, what we do for every game preview in honor of Coach Dean Smith, who ran the Four Corners offense, is I give four things that I'm watching out for in the game, and we call it our Four Corners Preview. And that's never been more appropriate today than today. Why is that? History lesson, here we go. This is gonna be an appetizer. This isn't one of the Four Corners. Coach Dean Smith is connected to the very beginning of basketball. When you look back, Coach Dean Smith was a Kansas alum who played for legendary coach Fog Allen, who played for the inventor of basketball, James Naismith. And so Coach Smith went to Kansas, won a national championship there, and then came to Carolina, coached for 36 years. So you've got these two schools connected to the beginning of basketball, not just college basketball, the game of basketball. We're tracing the roots of this game to Dr. Naismith. That's insane. So you've got the matchup of Coach Smith's uh, alum, the, where, he, where he went, where he's an alumni of, matched up against the team he coached for 36 seasons, not to mention a former player of his is the head coach of that school now. This is another historic matchup. We had one of a different type against Duke on Saturday. Now this game is just basketball history at its purest. Kansas fans are some of the smartest, most intelligent fans I have ever encountered. Carolina fans the same way. And a big part of that is just because of that very history. And so I cannot wait to see this happen. This is good for college basketball, just like the Duke game. So here are the four corners. Number one, is Carolina going to have a post-Duke hangover? C Coach uh, Davis talked a lot today, like in person at press conferences. I, I saw him on SportsCenter tonight talking to Jay Billis about it. Um, he says, we've turned a corner. Yes, that was huge and mon monumental and taxing, but, but we have to turn our attention to Kansas and we're doing so. And Hubert Davis has delivered on every promise he's made this tournament, so I'm not questioning it until I see something different. So will Carolina have a hangover, according to their head coach? No, but we need to wait and see. Uh, Four Corners Part 2 is hashtag Leaky Lockdown. I told you we're going to talk more about it. So who is Monday night's victim of the leaky lockdown? Well, let Leaky answer it in his own words. During those breakout sessions I talked about, he said this when asked about his defensive assignment. Um, long pause. Um, I'm not sure if I can give that out. And then he kind of got this grin on his face and said, but I feel like we all know who I'll be guarding. Translation, Leaky's guarding Ochai Igbaji. Kansas is leading scorer. He's a 6'5 guard. Like, it just makes sense. If you haven't watched Kansas all year, this dude's awesome. It's a great story, honestly. You should go. Uh, I think they did a feature on him leading into the games, maybe last weekend, in the Kansas game last weekend. Great dude, under-recruited. Bill Self went and found him in the Kansas City area, just east of Lawrence, where Kansas' campus is. And so Agbaji averages just shy of 19 points this season. He's just like Bancaro. He's going to get his from time to time, but it's about limiting it. If Leakey can even cut his average in half and hold him to 10 points, that's a huge win. Think about that. I, I know we often, like we talked about ACC Defensive Player of the Year and how Leakey didn't get it this year, and maybe he should have. But the problem is people just see blocks and steals, and so they vote for Mark Williams who's a great defensive player, but they don't 
voters don't often stop to look at things like, hey, you know, if Leaky Black cuts Agbaji's points in half down to 10, that's just as good as Leaky scoring 10 above his average because it brings Kansas down by 10, ostensibly. I mean, that's loosey-goosey math a little bit, but you get the point, right? He's contributing just as much. It's like a, a, um, an infielder saving runs defensively is just as important as helping with runs at the plate offensively. It's the same principle, and that's what Leakey's doing. Make no mistake, this is huge. Leakey will play a huge role in stopping Kansas's attack, and if he shuts down their leading scorer, big things can happen for the Tar Heels. All right, four corners point number three, Armando Baycott. How's he going to be? What's his ankle like? Let me, I'll just, forgive me, I'm going to go back again to these breakout sessions today. Just a lot of great content from the players. He said this, my status right now is that I'm playing. There's no way I'm not playing in the national championship game. My right leg would have to be cut off for me not to play. I think Armando Baycott wants to play in this game. Clearly, he's not going to be 100%. However, Coach Davis talked about in his press conference that the x-rays were negative, meaning there's no broken bones. He said the medical personnel was pleased with the amount or, or lack of amount, I guess it would be, of swelling in his ankle area. And so Baycott's going to go. Um, he's got a, another day of rest and recuperation. The, um, he was being driven around on a golf cart in, in the bowels of the arena today while the other players walked around. So they're, they're helping him stay off it as much as possible. And you, that has to be a good sign. Clearly, recording that 31st double-double this season is going to prove very difficult. Um, there, there was a play in the Duke game where, right down the stretch, there was the... Um, I, I can't remember which of the threes it was. It was that stretch where Keels hit a three, Manic hit a three, Wendell Moore hit a three. I can't remember if it was the Keels three or the Moore three, but there was a rebound Baycott would normally get, but he, he couldn't. It was tipped away from him and wound up in a Duke three. He told us outside the locker room after the game, I just wasn't getting the push or the elevation that I normally would have, and I would have got that rebound. And that's probably game over at that point because it had come right after that Brady Manic three. So we're going to have to watch that. Um, Here's some of the questions for me with Baycott. There's three of them. What percentage is he going to be at? Are we talking 50? Are we talking 75, 80? He wouldn't give us a percentage today. Neither would Coach Davis. Um, he just said, I, I'm ready to play. Number two, remember 2017 when Joel Berry kept wrecking his ankles on the way to the championship? I, I was uh, joking around with, with both Mondo and Joel Berry today of like, you getting that Joel Berry treatment? How are we taking care of your ankles? In fact, I was texting with Joel a little bit about it earlier. Asked him what it's like to, because I just don't, you don't know what it's like to have these bum ankles on this stage. Here's what Joel said back to me. Those were some tough times, could barely walk each and every day, but it was for something greater than myself. And that's absolutely right. And I think he's talking about both his team and God there, but let's just talk about the team part right now of I have to do this for my team. If I'm Joel Berry, I'm the floor general. If I'm Armando Baycott, I am the sole main inside post presence, and I have to be there. And then the third thing I'm looking for with his ankle is the starters play a ton of minutes. Keep that in mind. How hard and how long can he go before Puff Johnson or Dontre Styles has to come in? Does Coach Davis have to dip even further into his bench with, say, Justin McCoy, go small ball and let Manic play the five? Keep an eye on that. Okay, the last and final thing of our four corners outro is Brady Manick. 
Um, when we look at what I think will be Carolina's defensive matchups, it'll be like this. R.J. Davis on Dewan Harris, Caleb Love on Christian Brown. A little bit of a height disadvantage there for Caleb, but that'll be okay. Leaky on Ochai Agbaji. Got a great opportunity for Leaky there. He's 6'8", Agbaji 6'5". Got that leaky length for the leaky lockdown. It's going to be good. I'll skip over Brady. Uh, clearly, Armando and David McCormick on the inside banging the two 6'10 guys. And then Brady Manick, 6'9", on Jalen Wilson, 6'8". Wilson is great in an athletic score. I think he might have some advantages on Manick, but Manick certainly is as well. He can step out, drill the three over him with that quick trigger release, or... He could back Wilson down. I think uh, Manic has some girth on him and can probably score in the paint. And so I'm looking for Brady Manic to be, once again, this uh, kind of X factor and do it. He, he struggled in the first half against Duke. I shouldn't say he struggled. They face guarded him. He, he talked to me about that last night, and it was just he couldn't get anything. So it's not that he struggled. It's just he couldn't get shots. Duke did a good job on him. But in the second, fa in the second half, he found some places and made some shots. And that's what you hope for Brady Manic in this game. So I'm watching for Manic to, to score and be an X-Factor. I'm watching Baycott's ankle. I'm watching all of that, the leaky lockdown, and I'm watching for the hangover. But most of all, I'm watching for a historic college basketball game between two of the most storied programs in the entire country. Should be another great environment. Carolina's trying to knock off their second Big 12 number one seed in this tournament. It's just, it's just nuts. So that's all coming tonight, Monday night. I've gone entirely too long on this podcast, but when can you if you can't do it on the day of the national championship game, huh? Thank you for your grace and patience in that. And that is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for tuning in, getting yourself ready for the national championship game. I hope you've had a good time listening, thinking, preparing your own thoughts. I'm sure you've got some great thoughts about what's going to go on tonight. As always, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts or if you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe. Again, we just hit 1,000. Let's keep going. 2,000. That's the next goal. Uh, so we're going to get there eventually. It's just going to keep on moving. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me right here at Isaac Shade if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening, it's I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. Coming up tomorrow, I don't know. What do you say we unpack a national championship game? That sounds like a great call. Also, I asked for people to send in stories and pictures and videos of their experiences during the Duke game, and it has come flooding in. There's so much great content that I'm just going to spread it out throughout this week and probably have to go into the coming weeks as well. And so I can't wait to start sharing that with all of you out there. If you're listening and you've got a great story or video or picture from Saturday night, please, please, please send it, share it with me. Twitter, Facebook, DM, Instagram, whatever. Get it to me. I'll find it and we'll share it on the show. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tar Heels part of your listening experience today. And now let me encourage you to make Locked On NFL Draft your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for spending what's not the best part of your Monday with me because I know what the best part of your Monday is going to be. It's going to be the same as my best part of my Monday. Thanks for so much for spending uh, part of that day, though, talking Carolina with me. Ah, remember, 
it is a great day to be a target. Until tomorrow, peace!